You're listening to the Hunting Roots Podcast brought to you by Onyx Hunt and our good friends at Mossy Oak because everything's better in bottomland. Hey y'all, Brody Swisher here. Welcome back to the Hunting Roots Podcast, episode 124. And today we're talking all about the problems with pigs at LBL. And between the lakes, whatever you want to call it, there is a issue going on, a crisis, if you will, with the pig population going down at Lamb Between Lakes. Uh, it's been happening for a number of years. This is not something new. Uh, there is a trapper on the ground doing the work. And I, I'm sure, as we'll discuss today, uh, there's plenty of, of hogs being caught, being trapped over there. But man, the problem is the bottom line is we are seeing that population seems to be continuing to be on the rise. Uh, despite what hogs may be being caught over there, uh, we're seeing more hogs than ever. And, you know, as we hunt, as we hang out, we fish, bow fish, whatever we're doing over in that area, more and more we're hearing those reports of hogs. I've seen them myself, encounters, summertime, fall, whenever. Uh, you run into the hogs and hog sign, and, uh, man, it, it's, it's, it's concerning uh, because there was a time when deer hunting and, and, and turkey hunting at LBL was about as good as it gets, and uh, those days have come and gone, and I know there's a lot of different variables that come into play there. That's public hunting uh, as a whole. Uh, maybe the quality has declined because of the number of people that are hitting it these days, but uh, there's no doubt the hog population uh, it's taking its toll on the deer and turkey. You just can't have that. People have often said you, you can't have the quality deer you need to have if you've got hogs running rampant over there. You're never going to have the turkey population you desire if you've got hogs running wide open. And so we've got it. It's happening in LBL. But today, spend a little time with my good friend and outdoor writer, Will Brantley. Will Brantley is one of those guys when people say, hey, man, I want to I want to learn how to be an outdoor writer. I want to uh, I want to be an outdoor writer. My kids have said, hey, I want to do what you do, Dad. I want to learn to be an outdoor writer. I've said, you need to go and read Will Brantley stuff then. Don't read mine. Go and read a good guy, a good writer's stuff, and that's Will Brantley. And love what he does. He's written for you know all the bigs, Field and Stream, Outdoor Life. He's a large contributor for those pieces over the years and many, many others. Uh, I love his content that he does, the different pieces that he's been a part of over the years. Always good stuff. Love his style. Love his family. I've had the opportunity to hunt with them a number of times. And so, good dude. But he has written a piece, uh, several pieces pertaining to the issue with hogs on public lands. And so, we're going to talk to him and get the inside skinny on what he's done, what he knows, and the particular problem with the pigs at LBL. So, let's get Will in here and get him on the line. Mr. Brantley, what's happening? Oh, not a whole lot. <clears throat> I just... Uh had to drive out of the sticks here so I could get enough service to hear you. We've got Wi-Fi calling at the house, but um, it's, about it's, it. not, it's not reliable enough for a podcast. There so. you go. Well, dude, I appreciate you making the drive and getting to a high spot on the hill. Yeah, so, no worries. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, yeah, we're all good. We're all good. So we just roll right back into it, man. Uh, dude, what have you been doing? You've been, you've been trapping a little bit, you say? Man, I have been. Yeah, I um, uh, I thought this morning I was going to be, uh, so I'm trapping our family ground, which is in Caldwell County. It's about an hour and 10 minutes from here, and uh, mom and dad's got a cabin there. And so I've been going and uh, staying a night there, you know, been driving in before daylight, getting there, running the trap line that morning, yep. tending to chores around there, staying the night, trapping it again the next morning, and then coming home and trying to get some work done. And, uh, I got there yesterday morning before daylight and, um, trapped and, uh, filed, did some bush hogging and frost seeded a clover plot and just general chores, you yeah. know, and, uh, I was planning to run the line quickly this morning and, um, and then get back down here and get to the desk. And, uh, I did run the line, but, um, had a battery go out on a side by side and, um, Oh, I just say just one little thing after yeah, another. Right. So, <laughs> you know how it goes. So, yeah, absolutely. What? Hey, tell me this. What are your target critters? What are you you doing? Big stuff, coons, a little bit of everything. Yeah, yeah uh, I've got a got a uh, coats, uh, coons, and uh, and beavers. Actually, we've got a 
we've always had beaver problems out there. Um, and, uh, man, there's a, there's a Creek that runs through it. It's an awesome place. Um, but the beavers get in that Creek and they back it up and it floods our bottoms and we've lost timber and it's dude, it's been an ongoing battle my entire life, uh, trapping the beavers. So, but I, I have caught two big ones here in the last two days and busted out some dams and gotten some water off roads. And so, uh, anyway, um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's been the deal. So yeah, caught a caught a beaver and uh, and a coon this morning and a squirrel actually caught a squirrel on a coyote trap. I've never done that before. Really? So, and uh, been catching some coyotes this week. And so yeah. anyway, good man. Yeah, I always look forward to seeing you. Your photos pop up. You've gotten gotten the coyotes down pat. It seems like, and even the cats. I mean, I always love seeing your your trapping pictures pop up. And yeah, um, I've got a I've got a I need to I need to do a do a little photo album dump out there and um i usually like to kind of do that at the end of every season i uh uh i've, I've got quite a few we, we've had a we haven't trapped a lot this season but we've had a pretty good year so we haven't caught any haven't caught any cats yet we've caught several foxes and and a lot of coats so nice. uh looks like you and your boys have been doing pretty well too well we we've been running just the smaller stuff you know here close by and you know coons and, and possums just really trying to get on some of those nest predators and and so that's an easy gig for the boys you know they can do that here at the house and do that on their own they've made a couple uh coyote sets and uh we just need to kind of go back and revamp i kind of made the rounds with them one morning and and i'm i'm no i'm no will brantley you know trapper on the line but i i you know i just said boys we we gotta do we gotta do something a little better than that you know because they made a few efforts at valiant efforts at uh you know some coyote sets but they just weren't weren't up to snuff to to make it happen so they've just kind of been sticking with the you know the coon cuffs and and uh, my youngest yeah. boy he he's oh uh, well he's about ants age he's 11 i guess he's a few years older than ants but he's he can't he doesn't have the grip you know to, to yank down on those coon cuffs just yet so he's been toting the little live traps out he swears that they're more effective and, and of course his uh he, he gets the possums in there you know so he's proud of that but i mean you know we we don't deal out a, a whole lot of free passes on any of them you know yeah, and they're all they're all pretty rough on you know they get in our our chicken you know chickens and domestic turkeys have all died from you know all manner of those guys and so we just uh yeah we usually tie them all up and take them all you know to the house and yeah. so um but they, yeah. they've been fun but yeah i mean we've been wanting to get uh get serious and get some some coyote sets in because we've got them they're just pretty slick back here i mean on our little place yeah. and uh, but I know that would be they, – they would get a kick out of that. I mean, they love catching anything. But, man, just a big old coyote in the trap and just a foul-mouthed coyote that's – you know, that would be fun. So It's it's fun. Once uh, once it kind of clicks and you start catching them, man, it's it's pretty pretty addictive. I I, uh, uh, I, I get pretty pretty fired up every time I see one caught. So, yeah, um, so yeah it's, it's – and, I mean, it's not – I mean, I, you know, I've, I've gotten to where I can catch them, you know, with some consistency, but I, you know, it, I don't know. Like I, I pretty well just do the same thing over and over and over And I mean, you see all the different stuff and the yeah. step down sets. And by, I mean, I just, I, I do the same dirt hole set everywhere I go. And I, I don't know. I, I, it seems to, seems to work pretty well. So the main thing to me seems to be bedding the trap. You know what I mean? Like yeah. getting that tight around the jaws and, um, dude, speaking of that, dude, I caught myself on the middle finger so bad oh, the other. No. It was cold. <laughs> and, oh no! And, and I was, I was bed, and I, I've caught myself several times, and I, and I honestly think that's one of the, uh, one of the, one of the like learning curves that mm-hmm. you know that helped me. Like, was I finally got to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm not, I don't want to get caught, but I'm not scared to death of the trap, right? And, and then that. That honestly leads to getting too comfortable That's with right. them. And, man, I caught myself like the worst I've caught myself yet. I mean, it just, my nail was just blacked and mm. I had blood coming out of both sides of oh, it. It, gosh. it hurt. So, <laughs> mm. yeah, I bet it did. And, man, I get, when it was as cold as it was, you know, a few weeks ago, my hands get so bad that I can't even function, you know, and I could, that, that, that'd be my fear, you know, get your finger caught and then your other, you just get to that panic mode and then you're, you know, you can't even function with your hands are so cold and Lord of mercy, you'd be calling the house trying to get some backup to come down there and get you out of the trap. That's sad, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's crazy. Good stuff though, man. Oh, 
So, well, hey, listen, I, I do want to talk, uh, you know, a little bit about the field and stream stuff, an article that okay. kind of caught my eye. And, uh, man, tell me, though, just kind of explain a little bit about, uh, I want to talk and, and anything you can share field and stream-wise. I mean, I know what, what what's going on, what's coming back, what's uh, what's happening. And uh, it seemed like it went digital and now coming back to print. Tell me about tell me about that kind of stuff, what's going on. Yeah, so um... – the uh uh you know of course they were when i was on staff there um they were owned by bonnier corporation which was um you know they own field and stream and outdoor life both and they were uh, you know a, a big magazine publishing company and traditionally that's where you know that's that's the the kind of entity that's owned you know both of those magazines um you know like bonnier owned uh, uh, you know, popular science and Savour, and there were, you know, it wasn't just hunting and fishing magazines. Um, and, and, uh, you know, and, and because of that, that's why, you know, people have always asked, you know, well, how come field and stream and outdoor life were in New York city? Well, that was, right. um, that's where a lot of those big publishing houses were. And at one time that's where, you know, like, uh, not necessarily your, your outdoor writing talent, but your magazine production talent, that's where, you know, a lot of those folks were, you know, were based, you know, especially your, your design staff and, and your production staff and things. And so, um, but, but, uh, as happened to, you know, a lot of those big magazine companies, um, you know, they fell on hard times or not just a lot of money in the magazine business yeah. anymore. And so, they sold to, uh, recurrent ventures and, um, you know, they were a, a digital publisher yep. and, uh, you know, recurrent kind of took a, a different revenue model. A lot of, a lot of e-commerce, um, type stuff, you know, um, you know, kind of quote unquote gear reviews that, you know, um, they would get a, uh, you know, a commission from, you know, if they, if they led to a sale on, you know, on a e-commerce, you know, Amazon or whatever. Um, and so, I mean, Field and Stream was still, you know, in Outdoor Life, too. They were still um, publishing a lot of good content, and they still had a, you know, they they did away with the print magazine, but they still had a, a you know, it was a digital magazine. Yeah. And, um, you know, and they, the product there was, it was basically just like the old print Field and Stream magazine. It just wasn't, you know, it just didn't come out on paper. That's right. And, uh, you know, I did a lot of my work there, but, I mean, honestly, man, it's just... Uh, it's just hard to get your hook and bullet audience to, to go for that. You sure, know what I mean? They sure. just, they just didn't want to pay that subscription, um, to, you know, to read that on a screen. And, um, and so it just never was a, a big success. And then, um, you know, I don't know all the details of how the sale came about, but it was, you know, it's kind of a, kind of a surprise to me, but, um, you know, the field and stream brand in particular, they sold the licensing rights to their name, to that field and stream name, um, years and years ago, long before I went to work there. I, yeah, but like 30 years ago, from what right. I understand. And Dick's Sporting Goods ended up with that. And that's how come you saw those field and stream stores and yep. and all of that. And, um, you know, and it was one of those things that like, you know, sometimes those field and stream stores like didn't, you know, they didn't always put out the, the quality of products and didn't always have the yeah. positions on the outdoors and gun control and stuff that, you know, that like a lot of us on the field and stream staff, you know, kind of did. And so we, you know, that was one of the, we were kind of at odds with that, uh, yeah. you know, several times because, I mean, obviously people see field and stream store, um, you know, and Dix is taking, you know, ARs out of the store and they think, well, field and streams anti-gun. Well, it was two completely different things you know mm -hmm. what i mean two completely different companies right um and so as i understand it this um this group of investors uh actually bought the bought the licensing rights um you know to the field and stream brand and then um and again like this is as it's been told to me sure and then they wanted to bring, you know, they wanted to acquire the media property too to go along with it. And that's when they got the, you know, the the country music investors, you know, um, Eric Church and Morgan Wallen, right, um, come on board and uh, and invest in this, you know, in this brand again. And, um, and man, it's pretty exciting. I mean, they're, you know, they're bringing back uh, a print magazine. As of right now, it's not, you know, it's not. 
a magazine in your mailbox every month like it was once upon a time. And I, you know, honestly, I doubt we'll ever get back to that. But, um, but, but we are working on a print magazine right now. I'm yep. working on several stories for it. And, uh, you know, the, the first year it's going to be, you know, kind of two sort of premium, big, heavy, like almost like coffee table type books. Nice. And, um, you know, and they're really investing in it and, uh, you know, and kind of investing in the content again, getting away from, you know, some of the, you know, some of the content, you know, a lot of the e-commerce stuff and things that I think, you know, we're, we're bringing down the brand, honestly. Um, and, uh, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I know at, at this point. Um, you know, of course, uh, I'm not, I'm not on staff. I am still on the masthead and still, you know somewhat privy to you know the conversations but um but yeah it's it's encouraging man like i'm i'm pretty excited about it so. yeah no it's good man i was excited to see it as well and uh you know it's one of those things you mentioned the coffee table style and 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 that coffee table book looking uh, appearance and and that, that in my mind that's where field and stream has always belonged you know it is the coffee table is the you know the nightstand it, it's that basket sitting by the toilet man i mean like you said the from you know, guys for decades and long before you and I were born, you know, been been sitting there on the toilet in the morning. That's the magazine of choice. You know, it's going to be that film stream. It's just kind of a, it goes uh, hand in hand there. And, and then, you know, a doctor's office, whatever. I remember as a kid growing up, that was always, you know, you, while you're waiting at the doctor's office or to get your hair cut, whatever, you go over there and peruse the magazine rack and you're looking for that film stream, you know, amidst all the other, you know, le- magazine for ladies and stuff. It was always, Oh, there's film stream. I can handle that, you know? And, yeah. um, and so it's good to see that getting back and, and having that backing to, you know, have those funds to be able to do that. So that's an encouraging, encouraging thing, exciting thing and a uh, great opportunity. I'm glad you're back in the middle, middle of that, man. That'd be fun to see where that goes and how it goes. I know there was a lot of stuff, like you said, beyond the, the magazine itself and, and, you know, some apparel and I'm talking about a, a live music festival and, and some different things. So, uh, should be a pretty big, big opportunity there coming those guys. Yeah, I think so. I think so. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty jazzed about it. Yeah, man. Well, Hey, listen, one of the, the field and stream magazine articles that, that has caught my eye in a project you've worked on was a piece about hogs. I want to kind of talk about that for the next little bit, just kind of talking about the, uh, pigs, hogs, whatever you want to call them. And, and we've got them, uh, you know, close to home here for me in West Tennessee, you in West Kentucky, and uh, the, the place called Lambertine Between the Lakes there, LBL. And uh, I know that's a place you and I spend some time on, and it's not uh, what it once was. And I think, you know, largely due to, you know, a, a hog crisis coming on there, epidemic, whatever you want to call it. They've, they've done their fair share of damage. But you wrote a piece on this, and I know – uh, that's kind of what I wanted to visit. I know I've got a lot of buddies that have uh, – everybody's got their opinion uh, on on the problem there. and uh, But, man, just kind of – let's just kind of walk through and talk through that article, the Field and Stream article, and, and uh, kind of the gist of what it was. I know you've, you've, you've written it and uh, revisited it just for this conversation a little bit. And uh, just to see, I, I was able to read the intro piece of it as well, but I don't know the full uh, piece, you know, to that. And so let's talk about that a little bit and – yeah. Uh, what the article was, the gist of the article, and, and how it came about, uh, if that's something you were assigned or you pitched that to uh, address the situation or a little bit of all of it. But uh, tell us about that, kind of the title of that and, and where it was coming from. Well, so, you know, there's actually this one, you know, the one you're referring to, um, you know, is uh, it, it published on the Field and Stream site, and it was on the, the Field and Stream Plus site, and that's that's the one where you've, uh, you've got to pay a uh, a small membership fee, you know, it's like, I don't know, 12 bucks a year or something like that to get access to, you know, to some of these pieces. And, uh, you know, it's, um, one of those things keeps, keeps guys like you and me in business, you know what I mean? So uh, so I would encourage people, they can, they can definitely get, um, you know, they, they, they can get access to some of the stuff that, uh, you know, that that you don't just get full access to by clicking on the site. But yeah, this, this story is, is a field and stream plus story. And, um, it's just called, it's, it's a report, uh, called is, is government hog control working and, um, or government pig control working. And it posted uh, last August, and it was a story that, I, you know, I've been working on it for, uh, well, really actively working on that assignment for about a year. But it, but it's, it was actually almost kind of a compliment to a story that I did 
several years ago, actually when I first started on staff with Field and Stream, and I and I really started learning more kind of about the the world of of uh, you know of, of feral hog control and um, what what started me kind of down that path. I mean, um, you know, I used to go to my dad and I used to make a, a wintertime uh, trip. We had a buddy down in South Florida who had a, had a lease that he had all set up for bow hunting pigs. And, um, we used to go down there every winter, um, really about this time of year. And, uh, after, you know, after deer season, after duck season, we'd bow hunt pigs and, uh, man, just had a ball. Like I really enjoyed hunting them. They were a fun game animal, yeah. particularly to hunt with a bow, you know, they're oh, kind of yeah. nearsighted, but they're, but they're, uh, you know, they're really intelligent. They've got a, they've got a, a great nose on them. And so I kind of became fascinated by them as a game animal and uh and at some point i got i got an invitation i don't really know how it came about but i got an invitation to go um shoot hogs at night with thermal vision with mm. the guys with uh with jaeger pro and they are down in uh in south georgia um not far from the from the real tree camo headquarters and yeah. of course you know I did a lot of work for for real tree and sure. uh and I, and I think that's how i got the introduction to those guys but anyway i went down there with them and, um, you know, all those guys on staff, they're ex-military and, uh, we went out at night and we shot pigs in peanut fields, you know, with, uh, with, with thermal vision. And it was, it was pretty cool, but just as a product of being down there, I, I got to talking to their, their CEO and founder, uh, Rod Pinkston. And really, you know, I had it in mind that like, they were just a, you know, a group that guided people on nighttime hog hunts, but come yeah. to find out that's just actually a really small part of what they do. And their bigger deal was, um, you know, in, in hog control operations. Mm. And, you know, as I got to talking to Rod, um, they had contracts with big landowners down there and, you know, big public properties down there in Georgia. And I, and I, I just thought that their approach to pig control was kind of cool. And Rob got to tell me about all these, you know, these federal grants and stuff that are out there. And, um, and so I was like, you know, Hey, I, I'd like to join you for a day, run some traps and just sort of see like what this world of, of pig control is all about. And so I actually went down and I, and I spent some more time with Rod and, uh, uh, you know, saw his trapping system, got to see, you know, how he, how he approaches things. And, um, you know, and I got to hear like, some of these concepts like, you know, whole sounder removal and things mm. like that. And, um, you know, and he got to mentioning, um, you know, studies that have been done at universities. Well, then that led me kind of down the rabbit hole. Um, I went to, uh, to Auburn university and spent some time with a professor there, Stephen Ditchkoff. He's actually a, uh, uh, kind of specialized in, the in their, you know, their white tail deer program, but he, he kind of became known as a, as a pig guy. Okay. And, um, he did some big studies on Fort Benning and that's mm. kind of where he, um, you know, depending on who you talk to, but I mean, it, according to him, um, you know, he, he kind of came up with this concept of whole sounder removal. And, and basically, I mean, the premise is, you know, wild hogs are so prolific, so oh. adaptable, and they breed so quickly that you know when you get a sounder of pigs in the, in an area if you are not killing every single pig in that sounder yeah. um you're basically just scattering them you know what i mean like mm -hmm. if you leave four or five alive those four or five are gonna you know multiply they're gonna have their own sounders in just a few months you yeah. know they can drop a couple litters a year and you know piglets are you know they're sexually mature in like six months and so i mean it's one of those problems that unless it is really approach the right way that you know you you're not going to get rid of pigs once they get established in areas and um you know and that's kind of where i started uh, you know learning the concept of like you know hunters actually in some cases can be doing more harm than good by shooting into pigs because if there's an active trapping program going on and you know you've got a sounder of pigs conditioned to abate and you shoot into them and yeah you might kill one or two but you end up educating those pigs you yeah. know and if you've hunted pigs at all you know that man you don't have to shoot at them but once before they they're not coming back to that time feeder yeah and so you know like a lot of the a lot of the the philosophy behind like these whole sounder removal operations is you know they they use um you know they use trail cameras particularly cellular trail cameras 
to really acclimate these pigs like to a bait site and they really try to you know they study they study they watch the pigs on camera they they know you know there's there's 17 pigs in this sounder and you know and there's two spotted ones and the rest of them are black and they're coming in there and and you know like with with uh you know with like some of the jaeger pro traps you know a lot of those trap doors are are operated remotely and so they can those guys can actually watch yeah. you know from home if they have the you know the service to do it and when they know all 17 pigs are in the trap bam that's when they drop the gate and they go they go kill them and so you know it's a very disciplined approach to uh you know to trapping pigs and you know for those guys that you know get paid a lot of money to do it obviously yeah, uh it, it works you know and they've got the proof you know i mean they've got the case studies over and over of like you know they've eradicated pigs from some of these places and so you know i did i did an original story kind of about all of that and obviously you know anytime you've got uh you know private industry like that um you know kind of at odds with uh you know folks in academia you know doing studies and then right. you know yet again like you've got the USDA that's, you know, it's getting, you know, tax dollars for pigs. So you got all these, you know, all these different entities sort of all thinking that they know best how to control the pigs and, you know, and kind of all competing for a piece of the same pie. Like then you get some drama that's, you oh, know, that, yeah. that Absolutely. everybody thinks that, you know, the way that they control pigs is the best. And, um, and so anyway, I, I wrote that original story for field and stream. That was one that was in the print magazine. I think it came out, I think it was called Pig Wars, and it came out, I think it was in 2015. And that's where I, you know, I first started, like I say, learning about that whole world, kind of learning about some of the, some of the grants that were out there for pig control, like, you know, on the farm bill and stuff. And, um, you know, and just kind of keeping an eye on the, the pig crisis. And, and at that time, Excuse me, I had to take a take a sip of water there. At that time, you know, we didn't we didn't have a lot of wild pigs around here. I mean, you yeah. you'd hear some every now and then, but it wasn't a real common thing. And I remember one morning, it wasn't but a year or two after I did that story for Field and Stream, uh, I was out turkey scouting in uh, in LBL. Of course, it's one of my one of my favorite places to to be period. You know, I love to turkey hunt there, love to bow hunt there. I've hunted there since you know since I came to school here at murray state you know since i was yeah. a teenager yeah um and man i was i was seeing sign in the i remember seeing this sign in the woods and it was like magnum turkey scratching you know i'm like man what what is leaving like all this sign like you know it's just the the you know it was like turkey scratching but like so deep in the ground that like yeah. you know tree roots and stuff torn up and um and then i started seeing these traps i'm like man that's that's pig root and yeah. um and I remember hearing this noise uh, as I was out there scouting one morning, and, and it was pigs. I could hear the grunting. I could hear them walking. And sure enough, man, I had a sounder of like 30 pigs mm. walking up on me in the woods. And this was, again, like 2016, 2017, something like that. Yeah. And that was the first time that I had ever seen pigs in LBL. I guess I had heard some rumors that they were there. And, uh, and I called and, and reported them, um, you know, and, uh, I mean, the, <laughs> the redneck in me wanted to, you know, grab a gun out of my truck, yeah, and, no and kidding. Shooting, but I, you know, but I, I had just written that story and I'm like, okay, I know not to shoot into these pigs. Um, you know, and I didn't know if any trapping efforts were going on. Well, about that time they were starting trapping efforts and the USDA APHIS had, had kind of taken control and, um, you know, and I called and reported pigs and, um, you know, I, I kind of had long operated under the assumption that like, okay, they're, they're trapping these pigs, they're doing a good job. And even to the point where like buddies, you know, would be like, man, I saw a bunch of pigs in LBL, but they won't let you shoot them. It's against the law to shoot them. Like, what's the deal? And I would even kind of, you know, go to bed. I'm like, well, hey, you know, you shoot into those pigs. Like, you know, there's a good chance those pigs come into a bait, you know, they got it. And I would try to explain the whole sound of removal thing. And, you know, as, as I had come to understand it, you know what I yeah. mean? And, um, and I and I really kind of gave them the benefit of the doubt for a long time, but man, the more I hunted in LBL and the more I've hunted in LBL over the like it it seemed like the pig problem just keeps getting worse. Yeah. Um, I keep seeing more pigs and more pigs and more pigs, and um, 
you know, and then like last spring, uh, turkey season, man, I, I saw, seemed like I saw as many pigs as I did turkeys. And, um, I, I did come up on, on one of the, one of the traps that, you know, that APHIS had out there. Um, I, you know, I wasn't really looking for it, but I came up on a trap and it was, a it was a big net trap. It was a, it was a pig brig type trap. And I, you know, and I knew, and it had corn scattered by hand down in the middle of the trap that wasn't a feeder or anything. And I mean, I'm not, you know, I don't want to try to say that like, you know, I'm the expert pig trapper. I don't, you know, I've, I've never trapped any pigs. So, yeah. you know, I can't say that, but, but I knew from what I had, at least from what I had researched and the experts that I'd interviewed, that I was like, man, that just doesn't seem to be the type system that, you know, there's that, you know, is going to, is going to catch an entire sounder. And I mean, you know, I'm going around, I'm letting these pigs walk when I've got a gun and I'm like, you know, I know we're sticking to the, to the, you know, don't shoot them, you know, no, you know, hunters aren't allowed to shoot them, but like, like, what other parts of the plan are being followed here to, to really be sure that like we're getting rid of these pigs? Cause it seems like to me, there's just more and more pigs. And I knew from talking to guys like you and different people that were in LBL, like a lot of people were seeing the same thing. And, uh, and so that's what inspired me. It wasn't a, you know, wasn't a desire to like, you know, do an expose or anything. I just, I wanted to, I wanted to talk to the USDA and, and the folks that were actually, on the ground doing this pig control and just like see what they're doing, you know, and see what's being spent on it and what's being done and, and what the progress is. And, um, you know, and, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, holds, you know, get, get some accountability there. I mean, it's, sure. it's, uh, it's our tax dollars and it's, you know, and for folks like us, you know, we, we buy, uh, you know, a hunter use fee, you know, a hunter use permit yeah. to even be able to go hunt LBL every year. You know, it's not a whole lot. I'm glad to pay it. But that's where most of that pig control, you know, and it costs about, from what I've, you know, gathered from our reporting, it's it's about a hundred thousand dollars a year, uh, for the for the effort that they're currently doing, oh. and, I mean, they, yeah, I think they're I think they're killing a lot of pigs, but they're they're also touting their success on the numbers of pigs that they kill, and not the numbers of pigs left behind, you know, not mm. the entire founders that they're catching, and. Yeah. Uh, you'll have to excuse the road noise there, but oh, you're good. You know, any of the any of the pig control experts that you talk to, whether they're you know in uh, you know whether it's Stephen Ditchkoff at you know at the University of Auburn, or whether it's um, you know or whether it's Rod Pinkston, you know with with Jaeger Pro, all of those guys will say like, hey, if if you're measuring success by the number of pigs that you're killing you're never going to, you're never going to get a handle on the pig control thing, you know? And I mean, they, they, they aerial gun a lot of pigs, they trap some pigs, but I mean, they've got, they've only got one trapper full time for all of land between the lakes, you know? Mm. And you know, the lakes is like 170,000 acres. Yeah. Yeah. And man, like I'm running a trap line on, you know, on, uh, on 120 acres right now, you know, for coyotes and beavers and stuff. And it's all I can do to keep up with it. And yeah. I couldn't imagine trying to control the pigs and land between the lakes by myself, you yeah. know? And so that's kind of, you know, at the end of the day, like, I, I, I'm not saying that like the USDA's not doing a good job, that they're not killing a lot of pigs. They, they are, but I don't like, you know, right now, like if I go to, lbl turkey hunting or deer hunting or you do and and a pig comes by me and i shoot it uh i get a ticket for it mm -hmm. and it, it's just not like that part of it you know that's that's the the number one question hunters have is like you know if these pigs are such a problem here why can't we kill them and i understand the why of that in theory but if they're not following all the other best steps uh you know, to get us there to where, you know, not shooting into them really does make a difference. Then like, why, why not let guys kill another pig when they see it? I mean, honestly, they're killing more pigs by aerial gunning every year than they are by trapping, you know, way more pigs by aerial gunning than by trapping, which, you know, I guess the USDA does a really good job at aerial gunning. Um, but I mean, man, like you talk about disrupting a pig's pattern, like how much, how much, you know, <laughs> if somebody wants to shoot a pig during a rifle quota hunt, you know, for deer, like if they're getting ready to aerial gun them the next month, like what difference does yeah, that make? Yeah, exactly. That's kind of where I was thinking. Yeah. So, uh, and uh, I, can, I can understand <clears throat> if you, 
if you did have your pin traps, and I guess that's what the Jaeger traps are. Is that the round pin or the octagon style pin traps? Yeah. Is that what those are? Um, and, and the big thing with them is that, you know, is that remote gate, you know, that that's activated. Right. That's right. So. And I mean, I, I can understand, you know, guys said, hey, listen, we, we've got these things that are coming every night. We're fixing to drop the hammer on them, the gate's fixing to slam. Don't, don't go in there and shoot them and get them jacked up from their pattern. I, I can see that. Um, but it, if, if you've got, like we're talking about, you've got, you've got one trapper that's running, trying to run 177,000 acres in Kentucky and Tennessee. And, you know, you know, how many traps can you possibly handle there or whatever? And if it's a different, I think you mentioned it's a different trap altogether. You know, I, I don't foresee that that's a, kind of a different ball game. Like, Hey, don't, don't shoot because these, I've got these, these, these hogs, you know, I've got them patterned and they're doing the deal. We're fixing to, we're fixing to drop it on them. There's no way that they've got that. You know, that's a different deal. You know, that's not like your 500 acres where you've got that that sounder, you know, whatever, and you're fixing to clean house right there. You know, they are so vastly spread out there, and uh, it's just, yeah, I think it's kind of. I've I've heard a lot of stuff like you talk about. I've heard a lot of, um, I don't want to say boasting, but I've heard people say, yeah, man, the trappers, you know, they really got it. You know, they're really doing a good job. They're catching a lot of hogs, and you know, they're really doing a good job with that, and. It's like you said, well, oh, he's a it, good trapper. Like I, I spent time with the guy. He's, he's a really good trapper and he, and he does catch a lot of hogs, Yeah, but, but I don't, I don't think he's catching enough to stay ahead of the problem. You know what I mean? That's because, right. That's right. You can like, never, you can never catch up. You, you can catch a lot of hogs at LBL and still not be, you know, just you're, you're keeping people happy, probably getting your paycheck, but you're not, yep. are you making a dent in it in the grand scheme of things? I think that's the problem we've got is they have gotten beyond what, um, you know, a lot of folks realize because I'm, I'm like you, and we moved back to Tennessee from Montana back in '13. I've been hearing people talking, and oh man, there's there's hogs been released, and you know, folks trying to establish a population. You know, somebody rednecks just went and dumped hogs trying to get a you know a population established. And now the oh, it's crazy. And I thought, well, you know, there'll be some hogs running around, and then like you said, you know, six month old these suckers can reproduce, and it just it's a it's a crazy problem. And yeah, and I've always thought, man, it would be fun to have. Uh, you know hogs and, and of course everybody that lives in hog country said no you don't you think you want hogs to bow hunt but you you really don't want them you know on your deer and turkey areas and oh uh, and, and but i mean i watched and for you know a number of years i'd hear buddies saying oh man i was i, I saw hogs you know we're, we're fishing we saw hogs we're turkey hunting we saw hogs and everything you do over there recreation wise they were seeing hogs and i was i wasn't seeing them i was seeing tracks and man i know running up and down the lake in the boat, you know, I'd get out scouting and look up on the, you know, flats and see, you know, tracks everywhere. I'm like, oh, man, let's go check out. There's deer using, get over there, it's hogs, you know, and, and, but I, I just wasn't, I've seen sign of them, but, uh, yeah. man, it wasn't until this last year, uh, squirrel hunting over there that it was just crazy. And like you're talking about, we, we had guys that were, uh, it, it was just, you know, every, everybody was seeing hogs, you know, and yeah. I finally saw some, ran into some myself and, and just, uh, it, it, it really is kind of a, you know, it tells you how many there are. Cause I've been places, you know, I've hunted hogs in Texas and Georgia and Florida and, uh, and been on some of those hunts where they're, you know, supposedly infested with hogs and, and, you know, you don't run into hogs as much as you are here in LBL. It's like, are you, you know, what is yeah. we got a problem, you know, there, there yeah. is a problem, but before I forget, let's go back to, you mentioned, I think an ACES track, uh, trap, or what was a trap that you're saying that they are using, uh, at LBL? The one that they're using primarily is, um, as I understand, it's called the pig brig. Um, and it, what it is, it's a, it's a real passive trap. It, it's a, it, it's, it's almost like a big fishing net. Okay. And, uh, and, and, and you kind of think of it, it's sort of like a fish trap or, or, or a crawdad trap and where the pigs can go under the net one way hmm. They get inside, you know, the net just kind of brushes across their back. They get inside, they eat the corn, but then they're standing on the net on the other side and they can't get back out of it. Ah, you know what you. I mean? Got you. Yeah. And so, you know, I, 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 I'm sure it works well. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it is a real, you know, it is, real, but you're not, you know, they go in there and, and they, they scatter the corn by hand, um, you know, and they, they, you know, they, they were pretty insistent, you know, in the LBL. I mean, obviously there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of cell phone service there. And so they can't do a lot of the remote operated traps. And I certainly understand that. 
Sure. Um, you know, being a guy that hunts LBL all the time, like most of the time you don't have cell phone service, but at the same time too, like, uh, the guys that are in the, you know, the, the professional pig control world, like they're not always trapping on places that have cell phone service either, you know, and That's their, right. their counter would be like, you know, Hey, uh, sometimes you just gotta have a guy sitting out there with the, uh, with the remote control and the button. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. glassing that trap and knowing when they're all in there, you know, to drop the gate, if that's really what you want to do. And, you know, their, their argument to, you know, the things like, like the pig brig is like, yeah, you know, you get some, you get some pigs that go in there and you get caught, but there's no way to ever know, like, um, are you, are you getting that whole yeah. sounder like that? And, you know, and then too, like, again, if you're going in there and you're, you're dropping the corn by hand, you're not conditioning those pigs to come to that thing at a certain time. That's you know right. what I mean? A few hundred pigs over time feeders, man. Like, you know, uh, uh, an old doe with, with fawns, it's gotten used to a feeder. Like she, they've got nothing on like when you talk about such a watch bite, like That's pigs, right. when they really get comfortable around a feeder, man, it, when it goes off, they're coming. Yep. And, uh, you know, and that's the, that's the, that, that's really the kind of the, the, the kink in their armor, you know, um, you know, in, in being able to trap them with those techniques. And so like, I, you know, I kind of, I, I sort of laid out the situation in LBL to, you know, to Rod Pinkston and, um, you know, with Jaeger pro. And I mean, again, like I'm not a, uh, it it sounds like I'm leaning on those guys, you know, or or like advocating for those guys. And I, you know, I've got no, you know, other than like I, I spent some time with him for a story. Like I do really trust what those guys have to say. Cause I've been in the field with them and they know what they're talking about. Yeah. Um, you know, and they are, you know, they're, they're pretty good advocates just in that hog control world, you know, outside of selling their products or anything like that. Like I, I, I kind of trust those guys to shoot me straight on like a good program. And, you know, Rod, sure. uh, Rod was one of the ones originally that said, you know, Hey, um, Hunters have got to, you know, become part of the solution in this crisis or they're going to be, you know, they're going to be the problem. You know, and what he was getting at was the was moving pigs and establishing new populations of pigs. And then, you know, at times, you know, yeah, also shooting into a sounder of pigs that might be coming to a bait. But, you know, I asked him, like, you know, in this particular instance, like it's hard for me to see how shooting a pig, if you see one from your deer stand is really hurting anything in the grand scheme. And, you know, and Rod even said, you know, he said, you know, Hey, in a place like that with, with so many multiple uses, he said a a good, you know, he said a good solution, like, you know, a good plan might look something like this. You know, he said, you got, he said, your trapping is not that good in the fall anyway. Mm. Um, You've got all the acorns on the ground. You've got, you know, crops out in the field. He said, so why not let your legal deer hunters shoot pigs in the fall? He said, you know, they're going to shoot adult pigs. Um, let them shoot them if they come through. That's just more adult pigs. You know, I mean, if you're measuring the success by the number of pigs taken out anyway, let the deer hunter shoot some. And then as soon, you know, come December when the leaves are off, like then your hog hunting becomes illegal again. Like you're not allowed to shoot them. Yeah. that's when, you know, you have the USDA come in, let them do what they do best. Let them aerial gun the place, take out as many adult pigs as they're going to, again, they're going to shoot the biggest ones, aerial gunning. And then after that, let, you know, some private trappers come in, uh, and, and clean up the scraps, you know, which at yeah. that point is going to be mostly juvenile pigs, you know, and it's going to be at that time of year, you know, this time of year, that winter time, um, when they're most susceptible to come into bait. And I mean, you know, to me, like a plan like that, uh, that makes all the sense in the world. Um, you know, it's, it seems to me like it, it would make good sense anyway, but, um, yeah. you know, but as of right now, like pig control and LBL and in a lot of those big public places, I mean, it's, it's pretty well solely under the purview of the, you know, of the USDA, you know, animal plant and health inspection services. So, you know, APHIS. So, uh, they're the ones that, that have those contracts. And as of right now, like this is, this is how they're doing things. And again, like it's not a knock on those guys. Like I, those, I spent a lot of time with those guys. Um, but those guys are, are good at their jobs. I do believe <laughs> that. And I, and I do think they're, you know, um, I, I think they have the best of intentions and I think that they believe that they're, you know, probably, you know, have the best plan. Um, but man, it's just, like you say, after years and years, um, 
you know, I know looking at some of the other contracts that, you know, some of the private, you know, pick and throw, like they, they clean up some of these places in, you know, in like two years, yeah. uh, you know, and basically they're, they're, they're pig free, you know, after two years. So, I mean, mm. um, this is, uh, this is something that's been ongoing for a long time now in LBL and a lot of money has been spent on it too, you know, and that, yeah. that was our money. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think what's, what's somewhat alarming is like you said, been a lot of, a lot of hogs killed, you know, the tally sheet whatever you can show me that you know it's great but i think the problem's just probably got to be bigger than what what we're being told what you know maybe they know whatever uh for here in you know this past year 2023 for us to see uh the numbers we have you know and everybody cuz it, it was like you know it used to be oh so and so you know so and so saw a hog you know and you know that was kind of oh wow you know that's it's interesting you know one out of your group would see something and then like yeah. I said, twenty twenty three this past year, man, being over there with a, a number of guys chasing squirrels, and for everybody, you know, it was it was, it was every day, you know, hey, who, who all saw, you know, hogs, whatever, and, uh, and and pretty much everybody in the group after a weekend hunt, you know, had encounters, uh, multiple encounters with with hogs, and so, yeah. um, that I think is what's what's concerning, and, and just uh, I don't know, I mean, you can tell me what you've seen as far as the changes, I know. And I know some people hate the fact we're talking about you know LBL, and I don't. I'm not. I'm not inviting people to LBL as far as telling folks that it's uh, you know, the best deer in Turkey because it's it's not. It, it honestly not what it uh what it once was. Just from you know some of the days in the in the past, and a lot of that's true for public land just because of the the popularity of public land anymore. But uh, you know, LBL's tough. You know, if you you kill a turkey there, it, you've done something. You know, it's kind of a you don't go to LBL because. Uh, you know, for deer or turkey because they're booming and they're everywhere and it's easy. You go, you go to LBL because you want to kill, you know, critter on one of the toughest pieces of ground uh, ever was. I mean, you're battling tough conditions. You're battling people from all over the country. And, and I, I personally, I've never seen a, a more tick infested plant. I don't know what it is. That's a story in and of itself. Uh, why LBL seems to be uh, so heavily tick infested. I, you over there in, in the warm season man and i don't know maybe the kentucky side's different but here on the tennessee side dude it's ruthless uh the ticks that you will find on your body uh it's, it's crazy so i mean you got a lot of variables to do battle you got to really want to go hunt lbl but i mean um i know the turkey population you know from um you know years ago uh to now and again that may or may not have anything to do with the hogs but um but i i know it's just not what what it once was but what have you seen you know just from some of your you know hunting i know you do a lot of uh, a little bit of everything you know and, and utilizing yeah. the ground as we do but uh what do you what do you have what have you seen impact wise you know the hogs take on the, on the toll there on the deal well i mean i can't really stay directly the i mean the hogs you know you know directly tying it to the turkeys you know what i will say i mean the impacts from the hogs, you know, that, that I have seen, man, you can see it on the stream banks, golly. Um, you know, and that's, that's one of the, uh, that's one of the, to me, like the, the, the real treasures of, of LBL are, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a huge peninsula, um, you know, surrounded by, you know, by Kentucky Lake and Lake Barkley. And I mean, in between all of these really pretty rolling hardwood ridges are, 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 you know, miles and miles of all these Creek drainages. And they're these red rock, you know, these really smooth, clear water Creek drainages and man, they get green and pretty. And you see the bluebells and stuff growing down in there in the spring. And, uh, you know, even if there aren't that many turkeys there, just man, every time you see one, you're like, man, this looks like a place where you looks kill. like a place. That's right. <laughs> That's right. You know what I mean? Yep, and so, exactly. Um, and I mean, man, I can just remember seeing those for the first time when I was in college. And I mean, I, I hadn't hunted anywhere else, you know, around where there's so many of those. And I um, mean, they're just, you know, it's just that pristine kind of riparian habitat. Mm -hmm. And, and unfortunately that is where the hogs like to go, you know, and, and all of your, you know, all of your crop fields in LBL, I mean, they're all going to be planted around some of those big major Creek drainages, you know, those are the only flat areas in the place. And, um, and so, uh, you know, the, the hogs are not only drawn to those crop fields, but they're drawn to those Creek banks. Cause I mean, man, there's just all kinds of, you know, plant matter and stuff to root. And, 
the, I mean, like last year in particular, you know, if you've ever seen, you know, like an old muddy creek, you know, through a cow pasture that's just been beat down mm. over the, you know, and there's the water's muddy and it stinks and, you know, and, and the gnats and stuff all in it where, where the cattle have just, you know, destroyed the creek. Bank. That's what a lot of those creeks are starting to look like in LBL now from the pigs. And, you know, I mean, gosh, you know, turkeys aside, I mean, you think about the amount of wildlife that that is impacting, you know, just by losing that, you know, that really specialized habitat there. Um, you know, and then the other thing too, like I mentioned the farm fields, like, you know, there's a LBL is one of those places, you know, it's a multi-use place and, um, you know, there are still, you know, cause uh, if, if folks, you know, don't know their, you know, the land between the lakes history, I mean, that used to be all private land, you know, years ago. And it was, it was seized by, you know, by eminent domain and, you know, and then the lakes were formed. I mean, there's a lot of history in that place and, you know, and some, some bad blood, honestly, still oh, yeah. Yeah. from some of the, you know, from some of the families that lived there, you know, back when it was called between the rivers, but, you know, there were some farming contracts that were, that have been carried over from generations. You know, some of those families that were forcibly evacuated, they've, they've maintained some of those farming contracts and, uh, even to this day. And, and, you know, for that pig hunting story that, uh, you know, that I, that I wrote last year, I mean, one of the farmers that I talked to, uh, who, whose family, man, they have farmed those fields on the Tennessee side since the 60s you know their family owned that land you know back before the government took it over and you know he talked about how um you know he, he would go down and 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 plant his corn and the pigs would come right through you know that that week and, and root up every seed that he planted you know he said he planted several cornfields that he never put a combine in mm. um because the pigs were were tearing it up well you know you start uh you start, you know, getting rid of that, you know, that source of, and I mean, that is one of the things that still makes the public hunting and LBL pretty good. You know, is there, there are still, particularly on the Tennessee side, there are still quite a few crop fields down there. Right. And, uh, but man, like, uh, th this farmer that I, you know, that I interviewed, he's like, I don't know that we're going to renew, um, that farming contract. And he said, I don't know who else, what other farmer around here would want to go down there? Because I mean, it's, it's a huge burden, obviously to get your stuff down there yeah and uh and then if you're gonna lose your whole crop to the pigs like yeah man if those fields all turn fallow um you know i mean you know they're not gonna go do a bunch of food plots and stuff in them just for the you know just for the hunting and the wildlife so what happens then you know yeah. like uh what, what happens to the quality of the hunting after that so those yeah. are the things that i see and i mean you know just obviously in addition to all the other challenges, you know, facing wild turkeys that, you know, the, you That's know, right. um, you know, the other predation and the intense hunting pressure. And, you know, I mean, um, LBL is one of those places, like, like you say, I don't, I, I spend a ton of time down there and I've been fortunate. I've, I've gotten to, I've gotten to travel all over and, you know, killed several grand slams and, and hunt, you know, some really awesome turkey hunting country, you know, all over and, uh, I, I've shot plenty of turkeys, you know what I mean? That's like, right. I, I hope I get to shoot a few more this year. Um, but man, like any more, like I love to go to LBL, um, just because I, I just like to go down there and just, you know, it's, it's one of the few places around, you know, in, in our part of the world, you know, I mean, you go out West, you've got, you've got the public land to roam, you know, you've got room to, to walk and go and do, but Around here, I mean, even, you know, our big public chunks are pretty small, you know, relatively right. speaking, and you can't spend all day there. But in LBO, you can go there and you can spend all season. And uh, most days I go down there, I don't hear a turkey. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I might see a hen run across the road or so, but most days that I go down there, I don't get into a turkey. But I, I'll spend all week down there and just, you know, bumming around those roads and walking those ridges. And sooner or later, I hear one goblin. I, you know, don't always kill him, but just to, I don't know, just to get on a turkey down there. And I mean, that's where, you know, when there weren't many turkeys in this part of the world, there were turkeys there and yep. where Harold and David learned to hunt. There's just a yep. lot of history down that's there, right. you know? Yep. And so that's, that's why I go. It's not because it's a jam up turkey spot. It's just, it's just a special place to go and spend time, you know? That's right. And uh, you hate to, you hate to see this 
this big invasive species, you know, that um, obviously is not supposed to be here. And, um, you know, I, I think everybody's got the, everybody just wants, wants what's best. You know, they want to, they want the pigs gone. They want to do whatever it takes to get them gone. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, I think it's, it's kind of our job as hunters too, to ask some of those tough questions. Like, is the plan that we've got going right now, is that the best plan? You know? That's right. Yep. Yep. Like you said, man, we, we spend the money and, uh, buying that hunter use permit every year and, um, and that we need to be, we need to be vocal about that. You know, Hey, this is working. This is not working. You know, what do we need to see differently? And, and cause there, there's a lot of people and I'm guilty of it too, you know, that want to complain and say, Hey, this is, this is, you know, call bull crap on stuff. But then what are we doing? Are we, are we, are we offering suggestions? Are we researching and, and putting things into place? Are we challenging the folks that are yeah. uh, and making those decisions, you know, putting those different things out there and, and, other things to consider and, and feedback and all those different things. And so, um, it, it's definitely there. We need to be doing our part as hunters. You know, I, I know hunters are good at, at making a, a stand for different things, but they're also, you know, a lot of hunters are, are you know, good about talking the talk on social media and not following through and, and reaching out to the people that they need to reach out to. Yeah. And so, uh, that's definitely a big one there, but Special place, though, man. It, it's a very special place, and and one like you and I have both been a part of for for many years, and and enjoy the resource. And like you said, it's not a, you know, I like what you said about the fact that you know you may go a week and not hear turkey, and, and that's just it. And that's what makes it uh, the the blessing and curse of the piece of ground because it is uh, they're few and far between, but when you, when you get to play the game and that's what it is, most times it's just finding a bird to play the game with. And most times you will walk away, uh, you know, with that tag still in your pocket, but just being able to play the game over there is a special deal. And, uh, so one of those things, man, we definitely need to continue to look into. And, uh, as we talk about the, the problems with pigs at LBL, you know, what do we got to do? You know, what are we going to do to make it better? Um, how do we help the problem and, and, or push those that, or calling the shots, you know, to make it better. So yeah. interesting stuff, man. Uh, and I appreciate you putting the stuff to print to, uh, you know, address the problem and talk about the problem, kind of expose what's going on, what can be done, what needs to be done, what should be done, you know, how things have been done in the past. And so yeah, good, good sure. stuff, man. But uh, anyway, with that said, we will wind this one down, man. I really, as always, appreciate the opportunity to catch up. I know you've, I don't know, been on your podcast in the past. You've been on this one, I guess. I can't remember who's been where and what, but uh, it's always good <laughs> catching up with you and, and uh, swapping. Yeah, man, you've, you've, done a, you've done a great job with this podcast. I, I enjoy it. And, uh, uh, man, podcasting's tough. I, yeah. um, you know, I hosted, uh, hosted Real Trees Outpost for a couple of years, and it was just one of those things that I just uh, – I never was all that comfortable with it. And, and just the amount of work that goes on behind the scenes – um, you know, it was, it was one of those things I, uh, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I just, I didn't do a great job at it. You know, it was just hard for me to keep up with it. So I, I definitely commend somebody that, uh, you know, that, that puts together a good show and, and keeps it going regularly like you do. Yeah, man, I appreciate that. Will tell us where folks can find the stuff you're doing. I know you mentioned field and stream. You can be doing some more content with those guys. What else and where else can folks find content yeah, so- you're writing? Yep. Yep. So, uh, realtree.com. I, I do a lot of articles there. Um, I do a whitetails column for Peterson's hunting magazine and, uh, and actually just, uh, uh, just signed on. I'm doing, uh, going to be doing a column for ducks unlimited magazine going forward. So, nice. uh, uh, so yeah, that, uh, uh, all of that will keep me, uh, keep me pretty busy, but, but those are, those will be my main outlets. Yeah, man. Well, good deal. Man, tell your family I said hello, and I will catch up with you soon. Always appreciate you. All right, man. You do the same. It's good talking to you. See you, buddy. All right, guys. That's going to wrap this one up. Another episode in the books. A big thanks once again to Will for his time today. I always love catching up with him. And listen, I want to encourage you to go and follow his content. When you see his name on an article, you know it's a good read. So be sure to follow him at Field and Stream and wherever else you might see some of those articles popping up. Really good dude. Hey, listen, when it comes to some of these hot topics, these issues with uh, crisis with hog populations in places we don't need hogs, when it comes to issues like they're seeing out in Colorado with the potential ban by the anti-hunters on, on cat hunting, lion, bobcat, lynx, man, we need to be standing together as hunters. 
not being divided, not being this kind of hunter versus that kind of hunter, and I don't do it like you do it. But no, we need to come together as hunters. There's a scripture in the Bible in Mark chapter 3, verse 25. It says, and if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And that's talking about faith, talking about spiritual things. And it's so important, such a, a priceless piece of truth right there. But that also can carry over to us as hunters in, in what we do. We cannot be divided against ourselves. We need to stand as hunters and stand for what we believe in. And when we have issues pop up and, and different crises come into play, we need to stand together as hunters to address those with wisdom, intelligent conversation, not come across as some bumbling rednecks that just want to cuss and carry on, but to present a case that makes sense to these people and, and maybe a better way of handling things, a better way, means of management. And so, Those things are out there. We just need to handle them and stand together as hunters. Y'all, I appreciate you following along each week. I want to encourage you to go check out our website, huntingroots.com. Visit us on social media, Instagram, Facebook. Also want to encourage you to go and watch the latest YouTube channel video there. You'll see a video this week about hog hunting. Of all things, we're talking hogs on the podcast, and we're going to let you watch a Texas hog hunt at night out there, bow hunting hogs at night. Be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Leave us a rating and a review right here where you're listening to the podcast, and we look forward to seeing you right back here next time. Shoot straight. God bless.